The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As shed antler hunters scour the landscape in search of bone, now's the time for them to survey, map out, and plan their attack for the coming food plot planting season. And the revolution with Jim and Trav, presented by Outdoor Channel, has enlisted the help of famed outdoorsman Terry Drury, Dr. Grant Woods of Growing Deer TV, Dog Bones' Jeremy Moore, and Lee and Tiffany from Crush with Lee and Tiffany to get us started. And now, here's Jim and Trav. Bunny, 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 bunny! Yep. You guys know what is harder than finding shed antlers? What's that? Finding a shed antler joke. <laughs> Google that stuff. If you can come up with one, Jim, we'll give you like five bucks. That, well, I'll give you ten. I'll give you ten. All right, so we are talking about food plots and winter bones on today's show. We you, got a lot of great guests today. You guys know what a what growing problem is? Growing problem? Shed antler poachers. Oh! Love it. Get it? Yes, I do. That was my joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Antlers growing. Growing problem. Poaching shit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. So, yes, we do have a great show. You lost me at the bakery. <laughs> we're uh, we're going to be joined by Terry Jury. Got to check him out. Bo Madness. It is Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern time on Outdoor Channel. Plus, Jury's 13 and Dream Season, The Journey. Can't wait to have a dream season. Plus, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski. It's called The Crush. No, it's no, called Crush. Crush. It's called Crush, and it is Sundays. <laughs> Take the V up. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Outdoor Channel. Plus, we're going to have on uh, Jeremy Moore, the dog bone hunter guy, and uh, Dr. Grant Woods of Growing Deer TV. But Mrs. Bunny, yeah! Oh, I love that. <laughs> you are here. What are you going to talk about? I kind of feel like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb here. We you have are. all these uh, accomplished esteemed, and esteemed astute. guests, and then... What's up? It's Mrs. Bunny. It's Mrs. Bunny. <laughs> they don't have a cool name like you. What are you going to be talking about? We are we are discussing food plots and winter bones AT- sheds on today's show. ATVs versus compact tractors for planning your food plots and for managing them. This throwdown with Mrs. Bunny of Wishes Better is brought to you by Nissan. True fact. Mrs. Bunny is half unicorn and princess warrior, and she only drives Nissans. The end. There. <laughs> when it comes to ATVs and compact tractors, yes. here at the studio, we have both. Yeah. Um, and use them both for a lot of different things. However, when it comes to um, food plots, there are some different things to think of. Uh, food plots are a, a really time and money sucking endeavor. They really are. And so you need to kind of pick your equipment wisely. So um, to be realistic, a tractor is your best bet for plots that are larger than two acres. I mean, that's a lot to do for an ATV, unless you just have unlimited time on your hands. Um, however, uh, a lot of food plots are smaller than two acres, oh, and yeah. they're not easily accessible by tractor or something like that. And so the maneuverability of an ATV gives you the advantage there, um, being able to get to them. So here are some pros and cons. Um, an ATV, um, the weight 
an unpleasant portion of your food plot time is spent fixing flat tires, getting stuck equipment out of the mud. It's just kind of the name of the game. The heaviest ATV weighs around 800 pounds. Most of them are considerably less. Um, a small diesel tractor weighs probably no less than 1,700 pounds without any implements already attached to it. Oh, yeah. So the heavier the things are that they get stuck. Plus uh, my fat butt on it. Yeah. The harder they are to get out. And so the ATV has the edge there just for weight and maneuverability. It's just easier to get in and out, and it doesn't get stuck as easily. And if it does, it's easier to get out. Um, as far as implements go, though, um, a tractor's actual horsepower rating is much lower than an ATV's. However, it is specifically designed for lifting and pulling these heavy implements. Um, the tractor is, um, as you know, uh, runs off of a three-point hitch, um, and it's designed, it works with hydraulics, and it's designed to pull these things. It can lift them, it can um, have the plow dig in, whereas an ATV doesn't have the capability of a hydraulic to lift and lower these um, implements. Well, they, they just don't have the muscle. Yeah, you, what you're doing, is you're, you're pulling all of these things. Like uh, with us, we've got a little disc. We can lift it up on the three-point. We've got that little McCormick tractor. It's a, what, uh, 28 to 34 horsepower, somewhere in there, with a little front-end loader on it, so you can carry things in the front, like seed or whatever and uh it all works you know the funny part is um let's say a 28 horsepower tractor versus a decked out four-wheeler price difference is maybe just a couple thousand bucks it seriously is the the four-wheelers now can get really really expensive and you know the thing about a tractor is that tractors a diesel tractor does not age like an atv does diesel tractors i mean a 20 year old tractor is not that old really i mean you can go to an old farm auction or something like that and you can get a 40 year old tractor that will still function just fine it might not be a gem it'll be diamond in the rough but it'll still function just fine but it is absolutely capable of doing what you need it to do look at jimbo he's an old farm boy he has <laughs> aged like a little girl. He yes. is beautiful. Is why I, have, I have little ringlets. Soft, that flawless, skin. I was going to say soft, flawless skin. <laughs> this man, he, he looks like an old boot. Well, you know, uh, the, the thing about tractors is, too, that like, say... You, um, you were talking about ATVs being just expensive, a little bit less than a tractor. But if you go the route of buying a used tractor, there's also you can buy used equipment for them. You can pick oh, yeah. up a plow and a bush hog and all these things for a, a reasonable amount of money. While the cost might be more upfront, uh, the cost for implements for an ATV because they're specialized tends to be much more. Uh, like a mower for an ATV, it has to have a separate engine. And so the part, the cost of a, a mower that you run behind an ATV is three times that of a bush hog that you put behind. Oh, significant. Well, the thing is, these, these attachments that you're talking about that hook up on a three-point hookup. For doing food plots. Yeah. Normally, you don't find those at auction items, you know, because people normally keep those. Unless they're just totally going out of the farming business. Get them ca- Cabela's, though. Get them at Cabela's every day of the week you exactly. can order and, and get them in. Yeah, exactly. You know, the thing is about a food Food plot. Um, you can't look at it as an investment you're going to get a financial return on. That That's not what it is. It is a money pit. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a place in the field where you put money. And what you're doing, you're doing it because you love whitetail hunting. You love elk, whatever you're trying to entice um, in. Exactly. And improve. It the, improves your hunting experience. It does. Yeah. That's, and yeah. so. The end result is seeing healthier animals in the field and also better success 
come this fall's hunting seasons. The cash crop is the animals that you see. Exactly. I have to say that in the perfect world, people who are doing this are going to have both. A small tractor and an ATV because they both have their own um, pluses. An ATV, you can move your stands around in the woods. You can spray your herbicides. You can broadcast your lime and seeds and fertilizer and stuff like that. All from ATV. It's light. It's maneuverable. However, when you have bigger tasks like leveling ground or breaking up dirt or whatever you're going to do, the tractor is going to be more of a workhorse for you and take a lot of the tougher work out of it for you. I have to say, though, that most hunters own four-wheelers. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. really. You go to Texas, I think every Texan, it, when you're born, they give you a four-wheeler. Yeah, it is. It, it, you know? it's, it comes it's with part your, of the deal. It comes with your social security card, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Do you accept yeah. Jesus into your life and a four-wheeler? <laughs> I do. Raise your hand. <laughs> I do. All right, so we are talking about food plots and winter bones on today's show. Coming up after the break, don't go anywhere. We're going to be joined by Mr. Terry Drury. One more time, check him out. Bo Mattis, Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Also got to mention their other tremendous shows, Drury's 13 and Dream Season, The Journey. Uh, big shout out to Outdoor Channel, outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution. <laughs> Cabela's. World's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. Rugeruger.com. High Mountain Seasonings. H-I-M-P-N Jerky.com. Extreme Beam. Extreme Beam.com. Luggy Buck. Lucky-Buck.com. Remington. Remington.com. Here is a word for Mr. Mark. He's always playing stuff. Legal things. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Terry Jury, he is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Mr. Bunny, thanks so much. You betcha. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Outdoor Channel's top five reasons to visit JimandTrav.com. Number one, Mrs. Bunny is totally fine. Number two, hand washing isn't required. Number three, you can learn how to field dress a nutria, build a fire with Doritos, and properly dispose of your feces in the woods in just one article. Number four, there's lots of pictures of big dead animals. And finally, number five, God's welcome and anti-hunters aren't. So JimandTrav.com, go there. Listen, learn. An Outdoor Channel original series. My name is Louis Tuminaro. I grew up on Long Island. I learned everything there is to know about guns from my pop. There comes a time when every man has to realize their dream. Mine, buying and selling guns out west. So I moved my family, including pops, from Long Island all the way to Hamilton, Montana. I'm here for the love of guns. I'm bringing New York with me. An Outdoor Channel original series. The Gunfather, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. The Ruger SR-45, a large caliber pistol with a trim, ergonomic profile. Like the popular Ruger SR-9 and SR-40, the SR-45 is perfectly sized to be comfortable and controllable with a slim, ergonomic grip and narrow slide. It features an adjustable three-dot sight system, Ruger's unique reversible backstrap, an ambidextrous manual safety and magazine release, and built-in Picatinny rail. The Ruger SR-45, Another rugged, reliable firearm from Ruger. The Nissan Frontier is loaded with features perfect for any outdoorsman, like tons of power from a 261-horsepower V6 engine, plus a new feature we're trying out, the game call horn. There's elk, turkey, and mule deer. We're still working on that one. But the Frontier does have the first-in-class Utilitrack cargo-carrying system to strap down your big game. Though cool, the game call horn is not a real feature of the Frontier. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Available features, 2014 Ward Segmentation, Small Pickup Class, Properly Secure All Cargo. Congratulations, you found the revolution with Jim and Trav. You might be wishing you discovered something more important, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. The what? Nothing. Anyway, now, back to the boys. 
Hey, this is Revolution. We're back, and just before the break, we heard from old Miss Bunny. And coming up next, we've got Tara Drury talking about food plots and sheds. Hello, Buffalo! <laughs> I love it when you explain things, Jimmy. What's clear as mud, then? All right. So, yeah, just now being joined by Terry Jury. Got to check him out on his Outdoor Channel series, Bow Madness, Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, Jury's 13. That talks about his, his farm. Yeah, Dream. 13 acres. <laughs> Dream. 13 acres is the place to be. Dream season, the journey. Anyways. Uh, Mr. Terry, man, thanks for calling in, buddy. Hey, how we doing, guys? Yeah, we're good. Thanks for asking. Now, uh, construction and building is in your blood, Terry. This, this is the lifestyle you grew up in. And how's that transition over to whitetail hunting? Because whether you're stick framing a house or you're scouting to build the perfect season, planting food plots for superior nutrition, at the end of the day, it's all building, Terry. Well, you know, I would say two things. First and foremost, uh, you become acclimated to the outdoor temperatures outside. You know, you live outside, you breathe outside, and all those things. So you're used to sweating in the summertime, and you're used to freezing in the wintertime. It's not too indifferent from food plotting. And when you get ready to start turning the soil, you start understanding moisture content and compaction and, uh, you know, different things that, that enter into much that like the farmers deal with on a daily basis. Mother Nature usually is the one that kind of, holds the cards and tell you what you can do and what you can't do when it's too wet too muddy too dry too hot not enough rain you know the construction industry are, there are a lot of similarities when it comes to you know moving soil and trying to get compactive effort and, and modified proctor and all these things that you have to learn when you're when you're moving dirt uh not too indifferent from planting food plots and learning how to get stuff to grow yeah now the the thing is do you uh say on your farm up there uh in northern missouri uh mm-hmm. do you have do you have springtime plots summertime plots fall and then winter plots do you change those uh from time to time and now with the advent of having a lot more snow than we've had in a number of years uh, do you change the type of wintering feed that you have well we have all of the above and what we try to do is keep enough food in front of them year-round, making sure that it's highly palatable, that you kind of hold some deer, some residents. And deer are nearly impossible to hold. I mean, they're, they're, they migrate by nature. Uh, so you can't own enough dirt. You just can't own enough, enough soil because they just, they're going to roam eventually at some point. So what you try to do is make it as uh, you know, friendly to a deer so that there's bedding, there's mm-hmm. water, there's food, you know, all the cover that you need. You try and improve the habitat so that you can hold a few animals. And, uh, you know, turning the dirt and getting these things ready for food plots is a full-time job. And I do mean full-time because we look for, for green up, you know, in the spring. And then we look for those, you know, those big destination feed fields like the corn and the beans that you would have all summer. You know, in addition to the clover and the beans, when they're green, eventually they're going to turn and you want to have an, another source that they can d- go to. So then we'll make sure that we've got the fall planting that would take care of that. And some of these are annuals, some of them are perennials. But uh, with that being said, we make sure that we've got a year-round smorgasbord in front of them if that's possible. And sometimes it becomes cost prohibitive. Sometimes you don't have enough dirt to do all that. But uh, we try our very best to improve the properties that we have to make sure that we keep food in front of them, and particularly right now. It's really tough this time of year to make sure that there's food out there. But once they start dropping their antlers and, uh, you know, it's crucial that, that because they expel so much body fat throughout that, those winter months, mm-hmm. you really want to keep that body fat on them if you, if you can. And you do that to carbohydrates, corn and, and so on and so forth. The beans are a protein. 
But the, the first thing that they're going to put back on when they go to doing the antler development in the spring is they got to uh, recreate that body fat that they lost throughout the winter. Once yeah. again, talk with Terry Jury. Check him out. Bo Madness, Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Now, uh, one thing that it's a big to-do or discussion uh, regarding food plots is size. Okay, what is beneficial? What is actually going to be good for them? And what is just a waste of time? Um, what do you think is, for one, a manageable size, let's say for a family man, a guy, he's got a full-time job, has a family, wants to do a food plot. What can he manage and what size is going to be beneficial to the animals? Well, you know, first of all, you know, we, we do a lot of seminars and we travel between Bass Pro and Cabela's and Dick's and Gander and Academy and, and so forth, so on and so forth. And we get this question quite frequently. And people want to own their own property. They want to manage it. They want to try and improve the habitat. They want to plant food plots and they want to do the best that they can. And I would encourage everyone to do their due diligence and go out and look at small parcels of property first if you don't have a parcel. And, and I'm talking 10 acres, 20 acres, 40 acres, 50, but you can go through that natural attrition and buy a piece. And if, and you, if you can't do it on your own, you might be able to get a buddy to go in partners with you and then turn around and flip it and go to the next piece and then do that one and flip it and go to the next one. And you eventually over time will get a large enough piece, whether it's 40, 50, 60 acres, 80 acres, or maybe 600 acres if you can afford that. But that's when you can start managing and then, you know, depending on the size of the parcel, then you can determine how big you want to make your food plot. Obviously, you want to try and have enough cover there to hold a few deer as well. Yeah. You know, you want a resident family of those. You want a resident family that they can come in and raise their offspring and drag those bucks in during the rut and so on and so forth. Uh, you don't want to go in there and stomp out the one area that you know you're going to be hunting. You want to make sure that you have access all the way around it. You want to make sure that you got cover and you got a bedroom. And then on the interior, you might start deciding that you want to plant these little hidey hole food plots. And we like to hunt those little hidey hole food plots. Mark and I both got them tucked away in some really um, kind of instrumental spots where we know we can get in. We know we can get out without doing much damage. And exiting is probably half the battle because what you don't want to do is go in there, let all the deer come on the food plot, and then all of a sudden you start losing light and you got to get out of there. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you got to run the deer off the field to get out of there. That, that Nobody ever talks about that, but leaving your stand <laughs> is almost as important as getting into it. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Terry Drury of Drury Outdoors, and of course he has got Bo Madness Thursdays on Outdoor Channel at 10 o'clock. 10 p.m. Eastern Time, also Drury's 13, and Dream Season The Journey. One last time, though, Mr. Terry, before we get to break, uh, where can we find you guys online? Just DruryOutdoors.com. It's really easy, boys. Hey, again, that's DruryOutdoors.com. Hey, coming up next, we've got uh, Jeremy Moore, and he's the dog bone guy. He's the dog kisser. He's, <laughs> he's got a beard. Big shout out. Yeah, woolly man. Very hairy. All right, big shout out to Outdoor Channel, Cabela's, and Ruger. Don't go anywhere. More food plots and winter bones coming up next. Here is a word from Mark. Mr. Terry, thanks so much, man. Hey, we appreciate you guys are the best. We love being on. The 
Nissan, driving you to win. The revolution is dedicated to bringing you the best giveaways each and every week. And up for grabs currently at JimandTrav.com is a Hunter's Prize Package from High Mountain Seasonings, plus an autographed copy of Tim McWelsh's newest book, Hunting and Gathering Survival Manual. You can enter as many times as you'd like, and to be eligible to win, you just need a name, address, and at least one finger to type with. So JimandTrav.com. Go there. Unwind. Indulge. You get one shot at this. The most isolated citizens in America. That's what living out here is. You got to keep plugging away. Depend on its most courageous airline. Because somebody needs something in an airplane. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of skill and a lot of balls. Have you seen these guns? You never know what Mother Nature's going to throw at you, so you better be prepared for it. Always operate the plane right on the edge of pretty much chaos. Flying Wild Alaska, Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. Hot Caramel Apple Crunch is one of the tasty treats that awaits you at High Mountain Seasonings. Order your jerky and sausage kits, snacking sticks, marinades, rubs and shakers, and more by going to HIMTNJerky.com today. Introducing the fastest, most effective way to clean your gun barrel, the new Remington Squeegee. To use it, simply scrub your bore with a wire brush and a few drops of Remington's All-In Cleaner to loosen any fouling. Then attach your Remington squeegee to the end of a cleaning rod or cable. And with one pull through the bore, you're done. Fast, easy, and completely reusable. Say goodbye to your father's old gun cleaning patches. And hello to 21st century gun care technology. Look for it at your favorite sporting goods retailer. You're not easily impressed. Oh look, it's a mermaid. Perhaps JimandTrav.com is more your speed. Check it out. Now, back to the revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, if you're just joining us, you missed old Terry Drury talking about uh, food plots up there on his farm in uh, Missouri. Great guy. On deck right now, coming right up. Now. We have, Yeah, we have got to Jeremy Morning. Not yeah. next. No, next. Now. It's not next, it's now. It's now. Well, right dog, now it's next. Dog in a little loop. <laughs> yeah, we have got to Jeremy Morning. Of course, he's the dog bone hunter. He's the dog bone hunter. Once again, we're talking about food plots and winter bones on today's show. And we are eastbound and down, loaded up with shit antlers and trucking. What are you going to do with these things? Don't you just love Jerry Reed? I do. <laughs> I love that show. All right. So, anyways, Jeremy Moore, uh, training your dogs to hunt for sheds does it actually increase your odds of finding shed antlers? Yeah, I think I think your your success ratio definitely goes up, and I think it's I think it's for multiple reasons too. You know, the, the having an extra set of eyes, having that, having a nose is the important part. So, yeah, I think your success definitely goes up if you can get your dog involved with it. Yeah, now the uh, the, the deer itself, now the horns actually have the scent of the deer within it because obviously it was blood there at one time. Sure. But is, is that the real drawing or is it more of a sight thing? I think it's 50-50. I, I think, really? Well, I, I should say we train for it to be 50-50 because – the best nose in the world won't smell a shed if they're not downwind of it. So we got to, we have to have that dog conditioned to be visual as well as, as scent. Um, but there's a lot of situations and you guys have seen it. There's a lot of times where they're not visual, whether they're in certain types of cover or in certain situations where that color contrast isn't there. And all of a sudden 
it's the you can definitely see that it was the nose that drew that dog in to find that antler. So we try to train for both is is our goal. All right, now question for you. Um, we're training our dogs to be shed hunters, all right? And yes. I don't think you want to use a real shed. And if you're yes. not using a real shed to do that, then how do you mimic the scent? Great question. We, we One of the things that we've done is we developed a training line of products. And, uh-huh. and it's the idea of, it, it's very similar to if you've ever trained bird dogs or gun dogs, we don't just start out with birds and we don't just use birds throughout the process. We take what our dogs do, and I call it incremental training. It's a process where they slowly add, we add things to their lessons. But we use these tools. So for this, when you talk in scent portion of it, we, I've been able to um, simulate the scent of a real antler by using real elements of an, of a shed antler, the real scenting elements. Really? And we've built, yeah, we've made it into a scent that we use for training. Just like if I trained a pheasant dog, I'd use a pheasant scent. And so, we use an antler scent, and it's pretty cool, too. This year, we came out with a ver- another version of our antler scent. Um, ours is in a liquid form. We teamed up with a, a company, uh, and we came out with a stick form. It's Conquest Scents, and they came out with it in a stick form. So now we've got it both applications for training. Yeah, it also doubles as lip gloss. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I could see Jimmy using it as deodorant. You know, but I, <laughs> that is Especially when he's running. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, now, now the thing is, I have a black lab. Okay. Yep. Trav has a uh, border collie. Both have really good noses. Is yeah. there one dog, one breed of dog that's better than the other? I have a friend of mine also that has a Jack Russell Terrier that finds sure. sheds all the time. Sure. You just named three great breeds, and the thing that I'm going to say that those dogs have, there's certain traits they have in common. They've all got good noses. They've also got the the trait that I'm going to call biddability or willingness to please. They want to make us happy. So I, I don't think it's breed-specific by any means. I've seen different types of breeds do this successfully, but, boy, I, I, will, I will be the first person to say, it is not breed specific. You can do it with just about any breed. All right. Once again, talk with uh, Jeremy Moore, the dog bone guy. Now, where can we find you online before we go on with this, buddy? Dogbonehunter.com. Okay. Dogbonehunter.com. Now, question for you. Y- you talk to a lot of guys and they're either know you have a dog and it's specifically for work. You don't play with it. You don't socialize with it. And then on the other end of the don't spectrum. Don't take it to a bar on Friday night. Yeah. You don't get drunk with your dog, which I just find it weird. Um, <laughs> don't pick up chicks with it. Yeah. Don't pick up chicks with your dog. Um, and then you have on the other end of the spectrum, the guys that they socialize with it. You know, I mean, it is for work, but they, they let it come in the house. They sure. plays with the kids. What do you believe? I am a firm believer, 100%, that when when you start talking about working dogs, they are not pigeonholed to be just working dogs. Yeah. We have, we have dog, every dog I train, and I train, you know, my own personal dogs, but I, we do a limited number each year for clients, and every single one of them, hands down, the first thing I'll tell them is, you got to remember, you're going to shed hunt with this dog for three, four months in the spring. We're going to hunt with it in the fall whether it be birds or tracking wounded deer or whatever we're doing in the fall with them for three, four months in the fall, 12 months out of the year, these dogs are family dogs. They're yeah. going to live They're going to live in the house with us. And I really believe you get a better connection and relationship with the dog that way. And so uh, without any hesitation, I'm going to say both, all of the above. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I mentioned earlier, I have a black lab and mm-hmm. he's actually a part setter and part pointer. Sure. He sits on his butt and points at the table is what he does. 
<laughs> or pure red, right? In that, in yeah, that yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah and, and, and the other thing is, <laughs> <Pure red. laughs> the other thing is, uh, he's now found my recliner, and uh, he will just look at me and defy me to get him off from there. Yeah, that's amazing. Now that we've heard your plight and uh, <laughs> your lethargic dog. Yeah. Um, the dog bone itself. Now, what type of material is this made of, and what does it cost? Here, here's what it. If you've ever trained or ever ever seen or felt the a lot of the training dummies that are out there for training birds. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. it, it has a very very similar feel to that, and the reason is just is for that reason. It's so that if I have a dog that is, you know, we talked about breed specific. I don't think it's age specific either. So if you've got an older dog. It's easy to cross train them to this antler shape with a familiar feel. It's just a different shape. So, um, as far as the, the material goes, that, that's what we used and we used it for that purpose for, for training those older dogs and also for introducing the young ones in a safe way without jabbing them and poking them and having negative introductions to it. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Jeremy Moore. And of course, he has the dog bone hunter. Dot com website. And if you'd like to find out more information about them, just go to that website. Go to that website. Also, check them out on Facebook, Pinterest, all that other good stuff. Chico's. Uh, Chico's. Who, who's coming up next, Jimmy? Hey, coming up next, we have got Dr. Grant Woods. And, of course, he's going to talk to us about food plots. I love that, man. The proving This grounds. week, we're talking about food plots and, as you say, winter bones. Winter bones. Uh, don't go anywhere. Here is a word from Mark. Big shout-out to Outdoor Channel. Also, High Mountain Seasonings and Remington. Uh, Mr. Jeremy, man, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Grant Woods, coming up next. Outdoor channel on the things you will and will not find at JimandTrav.com. You will find tips for hunting, fishing, wild game recipes, popular outdoor destinations, survival instructions, habitat management advice, and Trav's beard. You won't find clowns, Canadians, a support group for kitten lovers, any reference to weight loss, raunchy humor, or gimmicks to buy stupid crap. So JimandTrav.com. Go there. Smile. Enjoy. My name is Derek, and I'm not an outdoorsman at all. I didn't bring hand sanitizer. <laughs> Witness the mayhem as the world's greatest outdoorsman put him to the test. We're fixing to go to war with them flying fish. Can Derek put aside his vanilla latte long enough to discover his killer instinct? <laughs> I'm going down. Find out on the Outdoor Channel original series, The Reluctant Outdoorsman, Thursdays at 7.30 Eastern. No, no, no. Don't stop it. For LED flashlights with brighter, tighter beams that see farther and run longer you want extreme beam the passion to outperform go to www.extremebeam.com increase the amount of camera pictures you get this fall by using lucky buck mineral dump a bucket of lucky buck in front of your trail cameras and you'll be amazed at how quickly the deer will find it the sweet apple smell combined with the minerals deer need will bring them in close lucky buck mineral grow bigger bucks or get your money back best place to hunt giant mule deer is colorado so plan your dream hunt by purchasing colorado's biggest bucks and bulls today at www.colorado's biggest bucks and bulls.com if you're thinking about buying a new gun remember to pick up Remington Gun Care Supplies. Protect your investment with the same products the country's top armorers have trusted for over 100 years. After all, when you need it is the worst time to realize your gun doesn't work. There are people out there who have power that can change history. Jim, Trav, 
Bunny, this is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, those are some great ads. Wonderful ads. That's my favorite part of the show. Yeah, mine too, mine too. Hey, uh, we just came out of uh, Jeremy Moore. This guy is the dog bone guy. Dog bone guy. We are talking about food plots and winter bones on today's show. I'll shed high for you. Well, will nobody hurt you, Jimmy. I'll let people hurt you. <laughs> All right, so, uh, well, hey, coming up next, thank you. Right now, we right have got now. our favorite guy, besides the other people we have on the show. Dr. Grant Woods. Dr. Grant Woods. He has GrowingDeer.tv. Dr. Grant Woods. He's a wildlife biologist with GrowingDeer.tv. Uh, anyways, how's it going, man? Man, it's great. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Doing, doing good. good. I'm actually on your website right now. People have to go to growingdeer.tv, and uh, you're talking about doing prescribed burning. Now, you know, according to the tree-hugging sapsuckers, uh, where they just they they want us to hands off of everything. You know, don't touch the forest. Don't do prescribed burning. But that is the wrong thing to do, isn't it? I mean, wildfires and and logging, that is actually good. That promotes new growth. That promotes new habitat. Um, We just don't want to sit back and let things go all the hell, do we? Man, I'm telling you, I can't stand people that think preservation is good. Preservation never works unless maybe you're on Mars or somewhere, and I'm happy to get them a one-way ticket there. <laughs> yeah. Pennsylvania tried that for years. No logging in certain areas, no fire or whatever, and they just about destroyed that ecosystem. Fire is nature's way of restarting, setting back, cleaning up, getting rid of unwanted disease and insects stimulating the good stuff and taking care of the bad. So, well, I can go coast to coast. Let's go out west, those tree uggers out in California. No fire, no fire, no fire. We're always going to have fire. It's going to lightning. It's going to be dry. Something's going to happen. And now you get a fire. It's a catastrophic wildfire because there's 30 years of fuel laying on the ground. Where if we'd have ran a prescribed fire through there and ate up that fuel, when lightning does strike, it's not near as catastrophic and we can control it. And it doesn't kill giant trees because the flame is not that intensive. So when we're talking prescribed fire, we're talking a low-level, low-intensity fire that's eating up some of the duff on the ground, destroying some habitat for mainly pests that we don't want, and creating habitat for great species, some of the salamanders, some of the songbirds, and wildlife species, and and all of our ecosystems, unless you're in an absolute marsh or deep sea. They adapted with fire. Yeah. Now, uh, we're just about, uh, what, 29, 30 days or maybe a little less than the first day of spring. So we're in late winter. And uh, once you've done that uh, that burn that you're talking about, what are the first plants that you put out? You know, they say you're supposed to mud in oats. Is that what you do uh, with the, the first uh, food plots you put out? No, no, I don't. But, you know, I live in Branson. We don't have mud. We have rocks. So that technique <laughs> doesn't work too well where we are. No, I'm just teasing there. But, you know, here's, here's my cycle. It's really easy. I want to have some established clover, mm-hmm. or I'm frost-seeding clover this time of year, throwing it out on an area that I've already taken care of the weeds through whatever method I've used, fire, herbicide, tillage, whatever. And as soon as it starts warming up, that small-seeded clover or the existing clover is going to flush and provide super high-quality forage. Of course, you know, everyone, the you know, those guys in New York City who want like, the baby greens now and the baby this and baby that. <laughs> yeah. That's just young young plants that are a little more nutritious because it's really young. Same way with deer. And so that brand new clover that's going to flush and grow hard for about a month 
before the soil is even warm enough to plant like soybeans or corn or something like that, is carrying the deer herd at that time on a, on a managed property. Hmm. And then once the soil gets, and this is really important, let me get technical here a second. For corn, I want to say about 53 degrees at one inch deep at 9 a.m. Gosh, that's, that's nasty, isn't it? And the reason <laughs> we say 9 a.m. Because the earth cools all night long, and, you know, normal conditions is cooling, cooling. Yeah. And the coldest will be about 9 a.m. in the morning before the sun gets high enough to start replacing more heat than it's losing. Oh. And then so big ag areas like Illinois and parts of Kansas and Georgia and states that do a lot of ag, northern Missouri, their county by county, the extension service will report the soil temperature at 9 a.m., and that's so farmers know when to plant. I did wow. not soybeans, know that. Soybeans. Here's the magic number for soybeans. 60 degrees, 60 to 62 degrees, one inch deep at 9 a.m. And the reason is, soybean seeds even more critical than corn. It's a big old soft seed. It will take on moisture real easily. So if you put it out when it's too cold, let's say 47, 52 degrees, that seed's going to get soggy, and some of the seeds will literally die before they ever germinate. And if they do germinate, they're taking everything they got to kind of survive and make it, and that'll be a weak plant throughout the rest of its life. It'll never reach its full potential. But if you wait and plant when the soil temperature is, you know, 60, 60 degrees, and there's not a major cold front out in Colorado sweeping toward us, because yeah. it drops really quickly, <laughs> Yeah, that plant's going to grow so quickly and be able to get long roots down rapidly, because remember, the soil's even colder below that inch, and start taking up nutrients, and it will outgrow the deer herd. Some guys say, well, man, I planted soybeans and the deer wiped them out. I said, well, when did you plant? Well, you know, I planted early and it was cold. Well, the plant's struggling, of course the deer wipe it out because it, it's not growing very fast. Holy cow. Wow. Man, you just schooled us. Yeah. I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> I had to make up for that tree bashing crowd I went on here. <laughs> well, you did good. You made us proud. All right, so we're actually coming up with an ad break to find out more about Dr. Grant Woods, the wildlife biologist. Got to check him out, growingdeer.tv. Uh, what, you've got Facebook, Twitter, obviously you're on YouTube. Uh, those are all the hotspots, man. Yeah, it's all good. All good. You bet. Hey, folks, that was Dr. Grant Woods, and, of course, he knows a lot about growing deer. Find him at growingdeer.tv. Who we got coming up next, Jimmy? Hey, coming up next is Lee and Tiffany Lakoski, and, of course, they have a program called Crush, and they're expecting a baby. Yeah, and somebody called Crushito. Yeah, and they're going to be expecting it Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's when it's going to be born? Every week. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's going to be more Tough fun, too. Going to be more food plots and winter bones coming up once again with the Lakoskis. Don't go anywhere. Here is a quick word from Mark. Mr. Grantman, as always, you're totally awesome, buddy. Thank you. Guys, thanks for the opportunity. Nissan, setting the record straight. Don't worry, at JimandTrav.com, we'll never give away Ricky Martin tickets. Just super cool stuff you'd actually want, from High Mountain Seasonings, Camp Chef, perhaps some signed copies of Tim McWelsh's Hunting and Gathering Survival Manual, and a romantic dinner date with Jimbo. Hubba hubba. So JimandTrav.com, go there, enter, win. Looking for the ultimate cooking machine for your backyard or patio? Look no further than Camp Chef's new pellet grill and smoker. With user-friendly features like an auto-ignition, digital readouts, and internal meat temperature sensors, it's easy to smoke the tastiest salmon, ribs, brisket, and turkey you'll ever eat. And an innovative system makes cleanup a snap. Everyone will want the food you're cooking on your Camp Chef pellet grill and smoker. The quality smoker that's second to none. 
Find out more at CampChef.com. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Located in the heart of Maui's premier resort, Kanapali Beach Hotel is officially recognized as Hawaii's most Hawaiian hotel and the number one best value in Hawaii. With a range of accommodations and affordable dining options, this is the ideal setting to turn Hawaiian dreams into lifelong memories. Live Hawaiian entertainment every evening, free year-round children's programs, weekly arts and crafts fairs, welcome breakfast, and departure kukui lei ceremonies add to the value. Swim in the whale-shaped pool, indulge in the fabulous spa and hotel salon, enjoy Hawaiian hospitality at its best at the Ka'anapali Beach Hotel. Call 800-262-8450 or go to kbhmaui.com. That's kbhmaui.com. Aloha. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Uh, Roger, we are go for the boys. Hey, we're back. This is a Revolution with Jim and Trav, and we're talking about uh, food plots and winter bones. Shed antler hunt. That's Before it. the break, we talked with uh, Dr. Grant Woods of Growing Deer TV. Growing Deer TV, great guy. All right, just now being joined. I've been wanting to say this by two guys and a girl. Woohoo! Right, anyways, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski, got to check them out. Crush, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Guys, how's it going? Yep, you can do guys plural now. <laughs> yeah, it's going great. All right, good. All right, so, you know, this time of year, shed antler hunting, uh, this is kind of like the perfect time, guys, I can say that again, uh, to get out and to survey your land for food plots, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, that's the, the one time that I actually even go in the timber. I mean, right now is when all the work is done, basically for stand work and all that stuff. I don't want to be doing any of that stuff in August. You get into the summer and the leaves are up. It looks totally different than it does during hunting season and bugs and hot and everything else. This is a really important time for us that you know, not only are we shed hunting, but all the different places, the bucks that you either you killed them this year or you didn't kill them this year, it's like, okay, where did I see deer coming from that I, that hadn't in the past? I need to go look at something. And it's the time you can look in the timber, find out rubs, scrapes, stuff out in the interior, stuff. And we don't hunt, you know, the, in the timber that much. Um, other than other than in the rut, we're mostly in the fields. Just kind of leave the timber alone. That's our sanctuary. But you know, when you get in the rut, there's some of those those all day sits or you know, well into the afternoon sits anywhere in in the timber that can be phenomenal. And that I don't, we don't go in there in the hunting season. You know, it's we do that work now, and then for next year, and you can and then you adjust accordingly. But this is the time we do all our work. Yeah. Now you you had a dog trained uh, for shed hunting. Now yes, when you sir. when you go out, you three take. Yeah, we got three of them actually. Well, we have three, three of them. My mom has one. Holy cow! Wow. Well, in the, in the process, when you go out and you take them, where is the most unusual place that you have found them that you were really surprised at? Well, I guess found them out on the pond, you know, on the frozen lake. Really, yeah, really. You know, not a lot of lakes here, but they found one out on the pond out of our cabin. Yeah. So out on the ice, you find them under the ice, you know, and <laughs> yeah, you find the them creek. in the creeks. Are like, you serious? The flood point, come in. Yeah, really. Point sticking up, and you gotta go keep waiting until it melts to the spring to go over and get it, see what's under there. Found them hanging in trees, you know, that fell off and hooked, you know, hooked up on brush, you know, off the ground and hanging in a tree. That's Probably wild. about the oddest place. Oh, actually, the oddest place is in Linda's driveway, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you guys had to say, since you, you were talking about sanctuary, 
food plots. Do you find more shed antlers in your food plots or in the timber? Definitely not that many in the food plot. I was like, that's a good question. We were just talking about that, actually. Really? Because yeah. you would think yeah, last night, they uh, spend so much time in their foraging that you would think that they would lose them in there, but no. I think, and it, that's usually not the case. I mean, we find a handful. Yeah, I mean, you find some. Let's say if we find 300 a year, I'd maybe find 50, actually, in the, in the food plot, 50 or less. Um, I mean, you think about it, it's just like a person. We don't go sit at the table and eat for six hours straight. Well, maybe some people do. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak for speak yourself. yourself, Lee. <laughs> the deer go out there, and they're really feeding for a half hour, 45 minutes. Then they go lay down, chew their cut all night normally, and then you'll come up maybe another half an hour in the morning and then go back up to the ridges and, and bed all, all afternoon, this time of year anyway. So a lot of them, you know, very few in the, in, or actually in the food plot, but there'll be some. But we got like the grassy areas, like on the edges of the food plots, or maybe off, like like in our cornfields. And then we got like the waterways, grassy waterways, and stuff like that. A lot of places where they'll lay at night, and a lot of times they'll just go right off the field in a grassy area and lay down and chew their cud. And a lot of times they're a lot closer to the food plots than like than during the day. So a lot of times they'll be close to it, and they'll get up and just, <clears throat> and just excuse me, and just go and eat in the morning. And then and then up on the ridges, like on the south facing ridges and it's nice here now like i was we were just talking about that last night it was tiffany and her mom we got one big horn that's still down that we haven't found yet and i said this is perfect we're right now because we had a bunch of snow a couple weeks ago and then <clears throat> we had a few warm days and melted it down and now it's super cold again so there's a little bit of snow out when all those ridges that you can see the grass where there's no snow it's that where you need to look don't even hardly bother where the snow is because now you know where the sun is and where it's been warm all day where it's melted that snow off that's where they're going to be laying not that you can't find one in the snow besides you know they're walking from one place to another something like that but your majority of them are going to be on those slopes where there's no snow on it because now you can see exactly where the sun is hitting and where it's warmer you know during the daytime on those on those hills plus it'd be a lot easier to, to spot there so you know i'd say about 50% might be in the timber on those ridges and then, you know, 40, 30, 40% in the grass along the edges and then 10%, you know, maybe in the food plot. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Lee and Tiffany Lukoski, and of course, there's another one in there somewhere that we've also been talking to, and we've been talking about uh, food plots and shed hunting on this week's show. Yeah, got to make sure you check them out. Crush, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel, plus uh, Crush.tv, you're on Facebook. Uh, where else can we find you guys online? Yep, we got the crush.tv, that's our website, and then on that you can go to our Twitter page, which is, I think, the crush2, and then um, for those of you on Pinterest, we have the crush <laughs> Pinterest page, too, and then, you know, just normal Facebook and Instagram, so we're on all those, and, you know, we're on them all the time, writing back to people. You know Lee's always pinning stuff on Pinterest. I know. <laughs> I don't even know what Pinterest is. Actually, you know what Pinterest is, because all these little projects that you've been doing lately, most of them are off Pinterest. Most men are right. Pinterest. You gotta delete that. Yeah, I was Pinterest. Take that logo off the website. All right, coming up to a break, big shout-out to Outdoor Channel, also Ruger and Cabela's. Got to get to a break. Here is a word from Mark. Guys, thank you so much uh, for calling in, and congrats on the new baby on the way. Hey, thank hey, you thank very you. much.
Breaking boundaries with Outdoor Channel. At JimandTrav.com, nothing's off limits. Cannibalism. Wearing white after Labor Day. Picking your nose in public. Indoor barbecuing. Mid-afternoon naps. Tax evasion. Constant loitering. And reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. It all happens daily at JimandTrav.com. And there's no monthly fee. But recycling is required. So JimandTrav.com. Go there. Peruse. Enlighten. Hundreds of thousands of hunters pour into Colorado each year for dream hunts. Find out why and buy Colorado's biggest bucks and bulls today. 719-661-4037. Okay, lock and load. In the vast region of Montana, a band of peace officers are on patrol. Dispatch, FG-59. Their mission, to protect and preserve the natural resources of Big Sky Country. Game one, hold your fire. From minor citations... Everybody knows you got to have a license to fish. Seriously? ...to major busts. I have a warrant for your arrest. It's all in a day's work. They're writing a search warrant right now. They're going in tonight. Wardens. All new episodes Thursdays at 7 Eastern on Outdoor Channel. A good hunting and fishing buddy is hard to find these days. They've got to push through the most grueling and enduring adventures. That's where the Nissan Frontier comes in. It's the perfect wilderness partner with a first-in-class Utilitrack cargo carrying system to strap down your big game and tons of power from a massive 261 horsepower V6 engine. The Frontier has got your back, even on the days you might come up short. Nissan, innovation that excites. Available features, 2014 Ward Segmentation, Small Pickup Class, Properly Secure All Cargo. High Mountain Seasonings. Do yourself a flavor with over 200 different items. And look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. The Revolution with Jim and Trav present Real Men of the Outdoors. Real Men of the Outdoors. Today we salute you, Mr. Jim. Look who it is, it's Jim. With his endless supply of Tommy Bahama outfits, safari hats, and sandals. What were you thinking? I was going to change my name to Tommy Bahama. You think it looks natural, but it couldn't look weirder. Unless maybe it had a propeller. Oh, look at the freak! I do have new shorts. <laughs> well, I got Hollywood legs. I, I like to wear shorts and a t-shirt when I record. Do you know that I have barbecue sauce on my knuckle? Yeah, I did lick it off. So once again, we salute you, oh grandpappy of the outdoors, Mr. Jim. I don't know if it was from yesterday or last week. It's the with Jim and Trav. Hey, I'm going to run out and plant something. I'm hungry now. Yeah, chew on a bone. Mrs. Buddy, you were awesome. Thank you. Spring has sprung, boys. Spring has sprung. Has So has Terry Drury. And uh, thank you so much to him. That didn't make sense. Uh, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski, Jeremy Moore, and uh, Dr. Grant Wood. Great people. Great show this week. Hey, we also want to thank our 434, the count them this week, 434 affiliate stations or advertisers and everyone that makes the show possible. Like Miss Bunny, Fun Joe, our producer Mark Penary, and Frank the Sound Guy. That's right. Your local news and weather is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you tune in next week. Also, check us out, JimandTrav.com. You'll see pictures of all of our smiling faces. Take some kids outdoors with you this weekend possibly even jimmy yes and uh say a little prayer before you go to bed at night you'll have to all right peace out we'll talk to you boys and girls next week
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.